Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Send a nation and talk about ways we can move forward in a way that encourages people to come to the floor and debate. That's Senator John Tester of Montana. Encouraging people to come to the floor and debate. This is the drama that's playing out right now. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. How the hell are you? 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. What do you think? I will lay out for you what I think is going on. You tell me whether I'm right or wrong. On Twitter, Tony Katz, get her Tony Katz. The phone number, 833-468-8669. And, of course, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Right now on the Senate floor, they are debating the voting rights bill. Now, the voting rights bill is not about voting rights. It's a very deceptive connotation that they're putting on this. The John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and then uh, they also have the For the People Act. Both of these pieces of legislation are meant to take voting rights away from the American people. They take away from the American people the right to decide on the state level, and it federalizes elections. This is undoubtedly true. I take on all comers on this, specifically those who support the progressives in this radical idea. The people of South Carolina should not have their voting rights decided by the senators from Indiana and vice versa. No one should have their voting rights decided by Representative Ocasio-Cortez or Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib or Ayanna Presley or any member of the commie squad. They're communists. Stop, stop, stop. Oh, what are you arguing with me for? Just calm yourself down. Get yourself your whoobie and have a drink. They're commies. End of list. I don't care if they think it's an insult. It's just fact. I'm not going to say otherwise. They are what they are. I didn't say they weren't totally lovely to their friends. I said they are commies. That's all. The people in the states determine how their vote goes. The federal government should not. They should not. It is... An obscenity that we think the federal government should engage in this takeover, which would involve full-on mail-in balloting and actually mail-out balloting where the real issue is. If you think it's rational to just mail out ballots to people who didn't ask for them, you're out of your head. It's an invitation to fraud. Why would you ever favor anything that's an invitation to fraud? It's an irrational point of view and one that the progressives have. The more invitations for fraud, the more opportunities for fraud, which is why anybody who is opposed to voter ID laws is, of course, a dishonest person, an obscene person. Voter ID laws are racist is laughable. What it really is is insulting to black people and brown people and anybody who is non-white, right? To say somebody who's a minority can't get an ID is to say that somehow because they are a minority, they are not capable intellectually, they do not have the capacity to get an ID. And as I've said many times, I just want to be there when you say it to them. 
I want to be there at my local cigar lounge where everybody from every walk of life shows up, which is why I love cigar lounges so much. I love, I, I love, that, that is my, that's my golf course. To sit in a cigar lounge and to strike up a conversation, to hear what people say and to hear people talk. Oh my gosh. That is, that is to me it. That is how I hear what, what, you know, they talk about the people, what the people are saying. You know, I've talked about the fact that all I want to do with my life is talk to smart people about smart things. That's all I want to do. I want to talk to smart people. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to learn something from them. This is it. This is like, this is why I like doing talk shows. Because it's the totality of what I'm interested in. And sharing the conversation with you guys. This is what I'm interested in. But when I am there, and there are plenty of, uh, of men and plenty of women, and people are white, and people are black, and people are Asian, and people are Hispanic, and they're Christian, and they're Jewish, I want to be there. With a bourbon in one hand. Usually I say bourbon in one hand and popcorn in the other. But I'll take bourbon and a cigar. I got bourbon in one hand, like an old elk weeded. Like a nice weeded bourbon. Boom. And I got a cigar in, in the other hand, uh, uh, the, the Amadel Campo. Happen to like that from Placencia uh, quite a bit. Boom. That's in the other hand. And I just want to be there when you tell these people sitting in the cigar lounge who happen to be black or Asian or Hispanic or a woman that somehow they're not smart enough to to get themselves an ID card. Please, please let me be in the room. What do I have to pay? Oh, dear sweet Jesus, what good sacrifice must I provide for you, Lord, in order to be able to see this happen? Ha! It's so insulting and so bigoted to say someone is not capable of getting an ID because of the color of their skin or because of what is between their legs. I cannot take it. It's nuts. So please let me be there when it happens. But this is exactly the conversation that Democrats are arguing on the floor of the Senate. What message are we sending to them when we say, no, you know what, no more same-day voter registration, which, by the way, in Montana was a vote of the people that the legislature last a year ago right now repealed a vote of the people on same-day registration. So what message are we sending to those folks? When you want to get rid of same-day registration, Senator Tester? You're saying, yeah, yeah, this is uh, way too easy to come in and act a fraud, and we don't want this. That's, that's the message you're sending to, to, to the people right there. But the real question is, why is Schumer doing this? Why is Schumer going forward with this? You don't. And we all know this for fact. We all know where Cinema and, and Mansion are, the senators from Arizona and West Virginia, respectively. We're fully aware that you don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> You're gonna need congressional approval and you don't have the votes. Cinema and Mansion won't vote to do away with the filibuster. So while we're having this conversation about the left taking away voting rights, understand that the subject in front of the Senate is a conversation about the filibuster, even though John Tester is talking about this 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 legislation. This is all a lead up. This is prologue to the main course. And the main course is a filibuster conversation. Because Chuck Schumer is aware that he doesn't have Mansion and Cinema on board 
with doing away with the filibuster. The filibuster, of course, is the idea of the 60-vote threshold to start debate or to stop debate, to end debate. When debate is ended, then you vote 51 votes, that's all you need, or 50 plus the tiebreaker in the vice president, Kamala Harris. This is what Democrats want. And they believe that both Cinema and Manchin are with them on some of these voting uh, bills, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the For the People Act, which are acts that take away the rights of the people. They're shameful displays, and no one should support them. But they're not with the Democrats and doing away with the filibuster because they don't believe in doing away with the rules of the Senate. Chuck Schumer has been trying to get progress on this, get progress on this, get progress on this. He hasn't been able to. So he puts this up. He says, yesterday, we're going forward. And you're like, okay, what's the play here? Well, the play here is that he knows that he has a base that he has to show progress to, and he can't do it. He can't do it. He can't convince Manchin and Cinema, But he has to show the base that he's serious. Sorry about that. <coughs> that. That little cough is still with me. Right there in the middle chest, still with me. I, I've, I'm having it checked. There, no one thinks there's anything wrong. It, it happens sometimes when you get a cold, you'll have a lingering cough. This is not the first time it's happened to me. But it's there and it sometimes screws with me and I apologize. So Schumer has to show the base of progressives how serious he is about voting rights and taking them away from the people. He also needs to show the base how serious he is in his disgust with Manchin and Cinema, He also has to try and utilize this as a way of showing America going into the midterm. See, we favor fair, fair elections, but those terrible, awful Republicans don't. That's what he's putting forward. This is the message he's trying to put out there. So this is all about show. And I don't think it moves a single voter at all to their side. In order to get this done, in order to try and get this passed, he's now making a new play. The new play involves, hey, we'll still have a filibuster. Let's just vote on changing it. Not removing it, changing it. What in the world does that mean? How about a talking filibuster? The filibuster rules as we have them now, when you talk about the vote and getting to the 60-vote threshold, cloture, that starts a debate or ends a debate. If a debate is ended, the debate is ended. That brings about a vote. But you need 60 votes to do that. Well, what if you made a change that was amenable to all the Democrats, including Manchin and Cinema, because they can say that they kept the filibuster, but they modified it? And the filibuster became one of speaking. That the moment the opposition is done talking and they yield the floor, well, then that's it. There's nothing else. Now you can vote. Just need 51. Thank you very much. So Chuck Schumer is not done trying to do away with the rules of the Senate. He is not done being duplicitous. He is not done being subversive. 
He is not done not giving a good holy damn about the rule of law or anything else, just about his desire for powers, his desire for power, because he believes he has a secret knowledge. This is what we have to do to save America. We have to take away the voting rights of millions of Americans, take away the state's rights, and federalize it because only we in this chamber know what's right and what's wrong. And not just we, only half of us. Only 50% of the people in the chamber know how to actually run an election and what is fair. Everybody else in this chamber and across the country is a no good dirty bastard and we have to put an end to their ability to decide how they're going to engage the vote. How we're going to create the laws about voting. How we're going to make it easier to bring about fraud. Which, of course, if you don't have voter ID laws, you're making it easier to bring about fraud. Of course you are. De facto, it's not a debate. It's just fact. We've seen this eliminated in other nations because they know what a problem it is. This is what Chuck Schumer's trying to get done today. And he's doing it as Joe Biden is scheduled to give a press conference, which you know is going to talk about voters' rights even though he doesn't care about the voter at all. It's an interesting, interesting day that we're going to have here. As for Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, what does she say? The senator from Montana urged us all to read this, uh, this measure before us, the Freedom to Vote, the John R. Lewis Act, now pending before the Senate. Um, it is... It is few new things that have been added in, but much of it is, is what we saw previously with the Freedom to Vote Act. I, I voted against that motion for cloture when it came before us because I looked at that as being a, a, uh, uh, a bill that was overly prescriptive. Um, in my view, it really did work towards, towards nationalizing elections. I come from a state where Things are just a little bit different there. You hear me talk about it all the time. Part of it is dictated by the geography. Part of it is dictated by an indigenous population um, where the language that is on the ballot doesn't align with what they speak at home and, and uh, how we address matters like that. Um, what has happened with this measure in front of us is it has been combined with the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, which I have worked on in good faith with good colleagues who I respect enormously. And I appreciate that we've been able to sit down. In fairness, much of the, much of the good work goes to uh, our respective staffs who sat down and said, all right, can we do a little bit over here? What do we need to do over here? And we've made some progress. We made enough progress that I was certainly willing to vote to advance debate here on the Senate floor on that measure. I recognize that not everybody sees the value and the benefits of, of preclearance. I recognize what the courts did in Shelby. But I now, she did actually, in one of the votes, vote to bring about debate on this subject. But it never went anywhere, and she has voted uh, since against it because no changes have been made. This is going to be a very interesting day to see how progressives 
engage manipulation of the filibuster and to see if they can be successful with Mansion and Cinema. We'll keep our eyes on it. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So I'm thinking of starting a cigar line. This has been an ongoing conversation over the last four years in my life. And I've done some things, and uh, I, I've been working on a coffee, and I look forward to this being the year that that gets released. And some people have approached me about, like, like spices and things like that. I'm like, okay, maybe that, that's not me, or I, I don't really have a way of doing that. I can only do one thing at a time. You guys know I did uh, a, a rye, did a rye whiskey called Recovery Rye, recoveryrye.com, to benefit uh, here in, in my beloved Indiana, the Indiana Restaurant and Lodging Association. People who are out of work because of COVID started it, uh, started it then. We've raised tens of thousands of dollars, I think $30,000, $35,000 is what we raised. It was a limited release across the state and went great. Oh, terrific, terrific rye whiskey. I'm a big rye fan. And so it, it was it was just great. And, and that's done. And. I mean, I do think about maybe getting into that again, but I've been, I've been debating a, a cigar, and lately just some things have come together. And I, I, I won't take somebody else's cigar and throw a label on it. I won't do it. There has to be, it has to work for me. Here's the question I'm asking you guys: um, What's the price point? Is it ten eleven? Is it fourteen fifteen? Is it nineteen twenty dollars? Is it ten to eleven dollars, fourteen to fifteen dollars, nineteen to twenty dollars? What is the price point? Where is it the people are at? Does it have to be charitable, or can I just do it? As a guy who 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 loves cigars, I, and I really, I mean, I have no issue with the charitable stuff whatsoever, none whatsoever. I'm a, I'm I'm a believer, uh, in 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 doing what you can. It's not even a question of giving back, right? I never, I should share with you one day how awful and ridiculous I think the whole giving back commentary is but rather I, I just think if you can if you can help help it's a pretty uh, I'm pretty basic on the subject this conversation has been coming up and it's time I really do think I finally got this part together but where would you price it where would you price it on Twitter on getter at Tony Katz let me know let me know Meanwhile, Russia and Ukraine. I got that story up for you next. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This will be devastating for Russia. Both in terms of sanctions. We talked about Nord Stream 2 earlier. Nord Stream 2 was a bad idea. It's an even worse idea now that Russia has mobilized this massive, unwarranted force along the border of Ukraine. But the other sanctions that must be discussed publicly and made clear would go much further than just sanctioning Nord Stream 2, which of course has to happen. I wanted to bring this guys this to you guys earlier, uh, or actually I wanted to bring it to you now, but I recorded this earlier. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. This is Senate Republicans talking about Ukraine and Russia, Russia that has amassed over 100,000 troops on the, on the border there of Ukraine. Russia is moving more troops 
as is being described, Russia has announced they're going to be doing joint exercises, military exercises with China and Iran in the coming months. This isn't the first time uh, that they have uh, done it. Russia, according to sources, sending an unspecified number of troops from the Far East to Belarus, which is aligned with Vladimir Putin. It is a dangerous situation. It was, um, it was Jen Psaki who said, well, uh, something bad could come at, at, at any second. That was in the press conference yesterday. She's not wrong about that. And as for what it is we in the United States think we could do about it, well, what can we actually do about it? We don't have any troops there. We don't have any forward forces there. Uh, the, the, the NATO relationships aren't prepared to actually engage and try and physically stop Biden from taking the eastern part of the nation to Kiev. They're not prepared for that. So, yes, he can do this. What the senator there is arguing is about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is uh, this, this natural gas pipeline from Russia through Germany. Something that Donald Trump spoke about saying, why are you allowing the Russians to do this? They're the ones threatening you. And here you are giving them everything they want. Meanwhile, you want NATO to protect you and you don't even support NATO with your dollars. Seems nuts. And it is nuts. And now they're saying we could use Nord Stream 2 as a, as a leverage point. I'm not so sure. But Republicans wanted to sanction Russia on this, and it was Democrats that utilized the filibuster to stop it from happening. Let me bring this back to some of the Republicans that are speaking right now. The message was the strong message that Senator Risch just spoke to, uh, to the rest of the world. We are united in our opposition to what uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia uh, are about to do, and we want to stand strong in a united way as a country. I think that was the message coming out of the classified meeting we had uh, with the president, and I hope that comes to fruition. Let me say this about Vladimir Putin. Uh, the, the Russian people are led by uh, someone who is nostalgic about the czarist period of Russia. President Reagan correctly called the USSR an evil empire. Vladimir Putin is nostalgic for a return to the evil empire, and that is why he's done what he's done. And yes, he poisons political opponents. He assassinates former members of the administration who oppose him uh, publicly. Uh, he uh, has invaded Georgia. He has invaded Ukraine. And as of yet, no one has given Vladimir Putin a bloody nose for any of this. I think the alliance, the, our friends in NATO, and a bipartisan majority are, uh, are prepared to assist Ukraine in making sure that if it happens this time, Vladimir Putin will get a bloody nose. Um, this is 40 million people who remember how it used to be not to be free and to be under the thumb of Soviet Russia. They will fight. And it gladdened my heart, as Senator Portman said, to see that cargo plane from the United Kingdom offloading anti-tank weapons. We need to be uh, an integral part of doing more than has already been announced. And we need to make sure that if Vladimir Putin takes this step and makes this mistake for his countrymen, 
and this mistake against his neighbors, that it will be a mistake that he will long regret and long remember. So that right there is Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi. I mean, they're going down the list, but you'll notice that that was some of the tougher talk I've heard about Russia. I think they're trying to... I don't know if they're trying to get Biden to, to see his way clear to uh, a, a much stronger response to what's happening. Or maybe they're just trying to create the, the, the contrast between where the Republicans are and what this Democratic leadership has provided, which is a tremendous amount of weakness, a tremendous amount of, of unwillingness to, to deal with the problem at hand. And as I was talking about uh, this morning, you guys know, I mean, never mind the morning show that I do, I do a series over at Rumble.com, the morning Rumble, every day, 10 a.m. I do, I do a video series over there. And I was discussing that today uh, when it comes uh, to, to, to Russia, when it comes uh, to, to the Republicans and, and how this is being looked at. It's very hard for Biden to talk tough on Russia when you're also begging the Russians to produce more oil. It's a hard thing to do. I think Senator Kramer did an excellent job. Yet he is somebody who does it. No wonder he may have a hard time, you know, engaged in the conversation. Now, I think this is Senator Deborah Fisher of Nebraska right here. I thank my colleagues for meeting with the administration as well. Uh, obviously, we all know uh, that President Putin is putting up false flags. He has 100,000 or more people at the border, troops at the border. He has been saying that NATO is there to envelop Ukraine. It is seen by him as as a threat to his country. Uh, recently, we had one of our strongest allies step forward and on the floor of his parliament and in an op-ed, the defense secretary, Ben Wallace, made excellent points to combat that misinformation that President Putin uh, is is trying to get out there and get in the press to justify some future action that he may take. First of all, as Secretary Wallace has said, NATO is to its core defensive in nature. At the heart of the organization is Article 5, which obliges all members to come to the aid of fellow member if they're under attack. Mutual self-defense is NATO's cornerstone. Now, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, and NATO is not out there trying to recruit Ukraine. And there is absolutely nothing, no proof out there that the objective is for NATO to encircle the Russian Federation. Only five of the 30 allies that neighbor Russia, with just one sixteenth of its borders, are abutted by NATO. If the definition of being surrounded is 6% of your perimeter being blocked, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's actually an excellent breakdown. 
because she's exposing that the Russian claim that too many NATO nations, you're making it fearful for the Russian people. We have to protect ourselves and our interests. Senator Fisher is saying your interests are fine. You're not surrounded. Stop being crazy. But the whole idea of Ukraine being in NATO, that's been a big thing. And there are people, we've spoken to them, uh, Major Mike Lyons, retired U.S. Army, saying we shouldn't make Ukraine a NATO nation. This is an invitation to more problems. You can't have everybody being a NATO nation. It simply doesn't work. I think it's a very, very interesting take and maybe one worthwhile. And you just heard Senator Fisher there say Ukraine's not a NATO nation. No one's talking about them being a NATO nation. Now, maybe someone's talking about them being a NATO nation. But it's a much bigger, bigger part of the conversation. Here's Senator Todd Young of Indiana. Uh, because we, like every American, uh, are cheering for our commander-in-chief to be successful, uh, to help protect our values and interests uh, as Americans. And one of the things that's really important that we do is, is uh, that we incentivize and we encourage this president to be resolute as we deal with uh, the current situation. This could be a fulcrum moment in um, world politics and, and um, international relations. We have 100,000 troops that the Russians have, have deployed on the border uh, with Ukraine. And if the message is not sent to Vladimir Putin, the strongest possible message uh, that uh, every encroachment he met, makes will be met with incredible pain, in order to dissuade his, his encroachments, then this sends, this sends a, a, a message to not only our, our allies uh, in the transatlantic uh, partnership that we have, but also it sends a message to other thugs and autocrats around the world uh, who have designs on other pieces of territory. Vladimir Putin has, has demonstrated over the last two decades uh, in Crimea, in eastern Ukraine, in Georgia, that uh, he has a voracious and um, massive appetite for territory, but he is not the only one. Uh, if the United States does not stand firm uh, at this moment in time, in this place, and in this situation, then we could see encroachments uh, that will impact our commerce, uh, our way of life uh, in the future. U.S still remains uh, the world leader, the protector of our, our international system. We do not have a self-regulating order. Uh, we must make order. This administration must understand uh, that we continue to carry that burden of leadership. Uh, I encourage them to do so. Uh, that has been undermined in recent days uh, in, in our failure as a country to reimpose economic sanctions on, on Putin's Nord Stream 2 pipeline. But we have an opportunity here to restore our credibility, to restore deterrence, not just in Ukraine, but also in so many other areas of the world. And I encourage this president and this administration to stand firm. Senator Todd. And that's Senator Todd Young of Indiana. We're going to be following this. This is uh, a big part of safety and security and how uh, the world looks moving forward. This is a story. This is something to keep an eye on. And this foreign policy conversation to which Senator Todd Young is kind of engaging the idea of a debacle makes you wonder, maybe Biden isn't the best in foreign policy. 
And maybe the voters need to know this. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. States Postal Service is now taking orders for your COVID-19 testing kit. I have questions. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it is so good to be with you. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. On Rumble, you find me, Tony Katz, T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. You can get four tests, I believe it is, delivered to your home. That's the, I think that's the deal. You can get four of them. Now, I don't know if you order a test via the U.S. Postal Service, whether or not um, you get put on a list. Do people check, hey, did you take the test? Hey, did you test positive? Hey, fill out this form right here. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how that part works, but I'm, I'm a man who has many, many questions. I'm actually, I'm going to see if I can do this. It's COVID tests. Dot gov. So order free at home tests. They were doing the beta test yesterday, and here it is USPS. And you put your name and your shipping address, and it doesn't you check out right now. You're ordering four. No matter what, you get four. Wait, can I order just one? No, it's a limit of one order per residential address. One order includes four tests. Wait a second. What if I only need one test? Are you kidding me? I swear, this is the first time I've gone to the site. I just wanted to see what was going on. I didn't go yesterday because they were they were still discussing the fact that yesterday this was just you know in 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 the in the beta phase. That's all it was. They weren't ready to go live with it yet. They were still in the beta phase. I tell you, these were the people who tried to get us you know Obamacare online and that and that didn't work out well at all. So uh, covidtest.gov is in the beta phase uh, right now, which is a standard part of the process typically as it's being kind of tested uh, in, in the early stages of being rolled out. Um, we didn't start from scratch here, of course. The, the Postal Service already runs a website that sells goods to the public, as you know. Uh, every website launch, in our view, comes with risk. We can't guarantee there won't be a bug or two, uh, but the best tech teams across the administration and the Postal Service are working hard to make this a success. So it will officially launch tomorrow morning. It's in the beta testing phase right now. Um, and I would also note that the U.S. Digital Service, um, which was an organization founded after healthcare.gov, uh, after the healthcare.gov rescue, uh, has been supporting the Postal Service to ensure. Great. Here's the question. If I'm only one person, why do I need four tests? I don't want to order four tests. Wait a second, what if I have seven people in my house? What if I'm a Duggar and I've got seven people in my house? What do I do? How about the person who only needs one test orders one test, the person who needs seven orders seven? What if I have four people but I only need two tests? So now I have an eBay landscape of tests for sale or I have wasted tests that get thrown out. Oh my God. Guys, I'm telling you, I hadn't gone to the site. I literally did it with you right here, right now. There's no drop-down box for how many tests. It says limit of one order per residential address. 
One order includes four individual rapid antigen COVID-19 tests. Orders will ship free starting in late January. Now let's look at it another way. So let's say I order four tests for myself so I can test myself every week for a month. What about the other members of my family? You told me it's only one order per residential address. But my spouse lives in that residence. Now they can't get a test? I am confused. I'm confused. I am not ordering any tests. There are people out there who really want them and need them. I don't. I'm not about to waste anybody's time. Or do I get them and then use them as currency? Like if I was going to make an offer to buy Manhattan and instead of beads and shells, I'm using COVID tests. This is Tony Katz today.